On today's episode of An Echo of Glory, we talk about that Luton win. We welcome back Stats Alley from Opta Analyst and we check in Down Under with Dan Garb. Welcome to another episode of An Echo of Glory. Joining me once again, Jake Robson. Hello. Hello. And a hat trick. We haven't got a hat trick ball for you, I'm afraid. Oh. Uh, one on Zoom, two in the studio. Opta's Ali Tweedo. Hello, thanks for having me back. No, delighted to have you back. And he's playing centre back this time. Yeah, he was sort yeah. of playing right side of me last time, uh, but now he's in the in the nice position next to you, Jay. Like Van der Veen and Romero over there. <laughs> is is being moved from right back to centre back? Is that uh, an endorsement or? Uh, yeah, no, I yeah? think it's a regression. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's more responsibility. There you go. Set and a half. Better on the ball. <laughs> uh, we'll do your running for you. <laughs> so <laughs> I ain't doing anybody. <laughs> Uh, so we'll start, as we always do, with a bit of club news. Yesterday, it was announced that Johan, and I'm going to call him Langer, I think it's Langer, but he does have the word Ange in his surname, so maybe that's <laughs> why they appointed him. L-A-N-G-E, appointed as technical director yesterday. He'd been at Villa since 2020, a couple of roles, got moved around. I think when Monchi came in as sort of sporting director, he got demoted towards the academy side, and he's now taken over as technical director at Tottenham. He's had a few coaching spells at Lingby, Wolves, he's assistant manager there. Didn't go too well and did well at FC Copenhagen uh, in different roles there. So we finally got someone in. It's taken a while uh, to get a technical director in. So that's hopefully a positive. Yeah, I mean, this completely has passed me by, to be honest. Um, I, my first thought when I heard this news is, uh, does that mean it's the end for Par- Paratici? Is he, is he sticking around? There's been some know. unconfirmed reports that he has been sort of working on a pay-as-you-find-a-player basis that he sort of stood around this a few uh, social media memes of you know seeing the skies uh, still at the club but I don't know I've got a feeling he's probably he's got a good black book isn't he of players he's got a great list of players so I imagine they're all still working together in terms of the the teams the senior teams the ladies lost the women's side lost sorry they didn't lose they won 3-1 against Bristol City their first win of the season uh, which was good. Uh, both Finns, Evelina Suman and Olga Artanen scoring, as well as new signing Martha Thomas, who's got two and two. Uh, they play Reading in the League Cup on Wednesday. The under-21s didn't have a league game. They beat Bristol City in the Cup 2-1 on Monday night. And the under-18s won 7-2 at home to Norwich. All three teams are top of the league. How do we feel about that? We're having a laugh. <laughs> That's what I say. Um, but what it, show, it, what it shows is, is that we discussed it last week, Ali. All the club, everyone's buying into this. And we watched the women's game against Chelsea last week. Yeah, they lost, but they played some brilliant attacking football, which they hadn't played for years. It just shows that everything's coming together. Yeah, uh, I guess so. That is a really, like... A reasonable but very positive way of looking at, <laughs> looking at it. I would say there's probably an element of coincidence about that. Oh, um, come on. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, but no, it's a good thing, obviously, yeah. of course. No, but I think they are. I've, I've watched a couple of a couple of uh, games and some highlights. I personally think that... Look, you'd like to think that they're all the, 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 everything's joining together. So we'll see, but... Time will tell. Time will tell. Let's come on to the to the men's team. And just back to the casual look, Jake. I know. I'm I, not a fan. I actually, I'm, I, I've got nothing bad to say about Ange, but I think he might be the worst dressed <laughs> Premier League manager. That is a bold statement. The can worst. you name a, name a worse one? No. <laughs> well, I, I don't like tracksuit managers in a baseball cap. 
fair, but I, th- I always think Klopp looks quite. I fit, right. it suits him. I, yeah, I have to say, I'm not feeling. I'm not feeling Poch in the Chelsea in the Chelsea training kit. He hasn't. He, I don't I haven't. Don't remember seeing him in the suit much this season. Mm-hmm. So, no, I've barely seen him in the suit. I bet he rocks it out for the Spurs game. <laughs> I just think the suit for the um, North London derby was not a good look. No, yes, we, but we, we said that, but we also said that it, he, it looked a bit better in the Liverpool game. It did. Right. <laughs> it did. Had it grown on us? <laughs> um, but there was, I just, I, I, there's just something about him that I just can't, it just doesn't look quite well, right. But do, you prefer, do you prefer the suit or do you prefer uh, the casual, sort of, casual? The casual look. Yeah, I thought you yeah, say, do you prefer train... the suit or do you prefer the points? <laughs> I'll take yeah, both. I, I don't care what he looks like, to be honest. <laughs> you go. But it, it's something that I've noticed. Yeah, because we obviously had Ryan Mason in the hoodie. I don't think Andy's rocking a hoodie. No, and obviously Conte was suit every single week, more or less, wasn't he? Or something very, very um, stylish if he was casual as well. So Yeah, but his football's rubbish. So. There you go. So, <laughs> so what do you want? Like you say, I don't care what he wears. Yes. As long as we start, uh, keep playing well. So we'll start with the uh, the lineup for that game, which we always like to do now. And once again, putting it up on our screens. If you're listening to us, you can watch us on YouTube. If you're listening on Spotify, you can press play, make your screen bigger and you can see us using our wonderful screens in the studio. So this was the starting 11. No surprises. Vicario, Poro, Romero, Vanavenu, Dogi, Sarin, Basuma in front, Kulisewski, Madison, Richarlison and Son. Obviously with Solomon getting injured in the week leading up mm. to the game. That may have been the only debate. So quite frankly, no surprises there? No, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a very, very, very good team, isn't it? Mm. Um, no surprises. Um, I suppose on the flip side... There's no surprises because there isn't really anyone mm. on that bench that is really pushing anyone in that lineup um, right at this specific moment. So, um, yeah. Uh, but the team, the first 11 was brilliant. Yeah. And we saw Gil and Lo Celso back on the bench, which is adding a little bit of depth. So, no surprises to you, Jake? No, but I'm glad that Lo Celso is back because I always thought if he was to stay, that he would be that replacement in that system for Madison, if yeah. Madison got injured or whatever, if you wanted to bring him off, that kind of thing. And um, I think there's, I think there's a good player in there that obviously fell out, fell out maybe with the previous manager. Maybe it looked like he was going to leave. You know, we've seen players look at Bissouma uh, come back in and 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 have their fortunes turned around. So um, I, I still think there could be more more to come from him in okay. the Tottenham shirt. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. So game kicks off and. We created three big chances in the opening seven minutes. Now, I'm going to say big chances, Ali. Are they officially huh. big Opta chances in the Opta big chances created uh, metric? Yes, they are. Yeah. Uh, the, the definition, do you have sitters? Not, no, <laughs> the, there's not like a scale of how big the... Ch- well, I mean, expected goals kind of gives that, but they are either a big chance or not a big chance, which is defined as a chance that you would expect a player to score. Mm. And uh, I suppose there is some subjectivity in there. But there's not really any denying that those were big chances. Yeah, and they were missed. And I think we would clearly try to take the game to Luton early on, get an early goal, and that would change the way that Luton uh, have to play. Um, I talked about Richarlison on here last week saying I'm just not sure, and I've gone even further down that road now because the way we're playing, we've got to take these chances, and there was obviously a game plan, and I feel like the game plan failed because he missed these sitters and I'm not saying Johnson would have buried them but I feel like he might have certainly got one of the two I think Richardson's yet to score with his feet for Spurs I think all of his goals have been headers 
Sounds about right. Yeah, it? it's yeah. it's a worry for me. He scored that goal with his head, and which the first, one? The the header that he scored for Tottenham. He scored uh, a few headers this, you mean season, this season. This season, yeah, against um, Fulham. I thought, yeah, that, that's the one. And uh, the first thing you said after that game was, "I wish he'd score him with his feet." Mm. The guy can't win, can he? We can't score. <laughs> he can't score. <laughs> uh, the the thing is, I think that firstly, uh, the game plan. There is the, we create so many chances that firstly, I think we can carry him a bit. Oh, do you? Secondly, well, we we are. Yeah, but for how long? Well, secondly. As I said to you previously, okay, in this in this situation, there wasn't anyone else that could have played. Ange keeps picking him, so it might. He's obviously doing. Well, he the didn't right have much of a choice on, on. No, Saturday. he didn't. And I so, had no problem with the selection. Yeah, he's just got to take those chances because the season's long, and we can't keep creating these chances and him missing them. The, the most frustrating thing about that one that he put over the bar. Um, was that he should have gone with his head. Mm, you yes. say he hasn't scored a goal with his feet. He was, <laughs> he was, as it was coming across, was he thinking, I'm going to score this with my feet. I'm going <laughs> to score a goal with my foot. And he should have just gone with his head. And you score that. There's, you don't miss that chance if you go with your head. Yeah. And then Porro missed one. You know, Porro's not, not a centre forward, but I, I think he should have buried it. But the football for the first 10 minutes was electric. Mm, really, really, really good. Quality of opposition, not great. Um, and... Uh, I suppose by the time I'm sure we'll get onto the red card but by the time Basuma got sent off it was a slightly concerning that they had missed all those chances because uh, really you should be one or two up and out of sight against a Luton team that weren't going to have enough to get back into that game um, fortunately it didn't matter in the end but um, there will be games that well, that's it. There could be games that you could. It wouldn't. It's not completely unthinkable that there might be a game where those come back to haunt Tottenham. As you say, they got back into it. We had eight attempts before their first shot, which was a wild slash wide. I think from the camber. You know, you can't have it always though, because we were saying maybe after the Liverpool game that we didn't start so well and we grew into the game. So you know, we started better this time. We just didn't finish the chances. So it was great to see a, such a positive start. And like you said, the quality of the opposition wasn't great, but that was probably the reason why we started like that and they mm. wanted to bury the game early I don't like this we should have been three up because if the first one goes in the whole game they mm. kick off yeah. it's all, everything's in a different place but we had three big chances and we missed them and even in the Premier League possibly the weakest team in the league this season at home they're going to get back in it and we allowed the crowd to get behind them as soon as yellow was sloppy, a sloppy pass from Porro, and he felt like he had to drag them down on the counter personally I didn't think he needed to because Luton I think we could have gambled that Luton's quality isn't there, but on the pitch at that moment, he decided to drag him down. They had a goal disallowed, rightly. And then 10 minutes later, he's booked again for an absolutely stupid dive. Stupid. Yeah, it's, uh, shameful was what Jonathan Pierce called it on Match the Day. <laughs> he went very, he went, very deep on I that. I think he said he must have used uh, different varieties of the word shame. Yeah. He said shame in various forms, probably about six times. As, like Basuma was the first player to ever be sent off for for diving and they can't be too many they get a second yellow for diving but it was the correct decision and it was stupid yeah um it was really really stupid and you know what my biggest frustration with it was was that before the game someone had mentioned to me that um he was one yellow card away from a suspension mm. Basuma and I looked at our fixtures and I thought well you know what he's gonna get a suspension at some point I won't mind that much if he gets a yellow this weekend and misses Fulham at home next game um so when he got the yellow I was kind of like well okay. it's happened now he's missing a game that's fine and um 
and then he gets himself sent off. So I thought, oh, is he missing two games? But what actually I've, I read the rules are is that he misses one game for the red card next time and then he's back on four yeah, yellows yeah, and then yeah. and then that gets pushed down the line and mm. we've got Chelsea coming up mm. City not too far off mm. um, and Bissouma has very quickly become for our building out from the back our most important player yeah. um, and and there is a big drop off not as big a drop off as in other positions like maybe Madison dropping out or losing a centre half or losing a centre half but um, losing him for uh Dropping him dropping down to Hoiberg is a big drop off, and uh, him now missing his second game at some point in the not too distant future is actually a big problem. I think the rule makes sense. I yeah, I, I think, no, I don't have a problem. With I think the rule. potentially he could have got a two game ban. I don't see. I don't see why he shouldn't get one for the red and one for the five yellows. But obviously the rule is that the two yellows get swallowed up into one red card, and he stays on the tightrope, which is correct. So yeah, he's walking a bit of a tightrope. We've got like you say, Fulham then Palace, then Chelsea. So if he gets booked in the Palace game, he's missing the, the Chelsea game, which would be uh, really bad for us. I think Chelsea's midfield is probably their strongest suit at the moment. Um, but anyway, he went off. Were you worried when we had 10? I actually, a pessimist by heart, even this season, it's changed me a little bit. I wasn't, I wasn't worried, even with 10. I felt like we would still get one. I was a bit worried. I just think when you're away from home against a team that at that point... Obviously, the, 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 next, the way the game's going to shape up after that is they're just going to throw everything at us, which they did in a sense. I mean, we, I'd say we probably rode our luck at times in a little bit, mainly by the missing chances or not being able to string good enough chances together. But I think also when you have 10 men, you're, 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 a, you're a bit entitled to ride your luck, aren't you? Um, and I also think, tie that into the fact that we could have had, all, as we mentioned, any number of goals early doors. In the end, I thought, nah, I think we've probably deserved this. But I certainly was worried when we went down to 10. Yeah, I, I was as well. But I wasn't really worried about losing. But I was starting mm. to think, like, if you get a draw against mm. Luton, that's, yeah. those are, that's two points really badly dropped. And um, I I knew we might still create some chances. But I uh, I did I did think that we could easily just end up drawing this nil-nil. Um, yeah. Well, we didn't. <laughs> he <laughs> yeah. took my man Richie off and Mickey van der Veen scored after about 52 minutes, becoming the seventh Tottenham player, Dutch, not seventh Tottenham player to score a goal, seventh <laughs> Dutch player to score a goal for Tottenham. Here he is again on our wonderful screen celebrating that goal. So, little quiz, uh, using our screens here as well. Again, if you're watching, if you're not watching, watch us on YouTube. You get to see the delight of our screens, putting up some nice images in those. And, Can our, you... and our beautiful faces. Well, and our beautiful faces yes. uh, and haircuts <laughs> <laughs> always always on point Jeff. always on point I was point. looking at you <laughs> wow All right. don't like uh, to say to <laughs> um, so Mickey van der Veen seventh Dutch player to score a goal for Tottenham can you name the six others can you name any of the six others well we, we I can go one van der Vaart I don't know where he is on your there he is there he is that, uh, but that's the easiest one probably isn't it yeah, yeah, uh, he's, he scored the most goals. Uh, that's from, right, from yeah. a Dutch player. There's a few who didn't score many. Uh, Dan Juma. Oh, here he is. There score, he is. Here he is scoring. His, no, he did score in the FA Cup. He did Premier League goals. Premier League, Premier League goals. Okay. Scoring against Bournemouth, okay. where I think that got us back to two-two. Yeah, and then we just this was you know one of those awful times in the last season, and Bournemouth nicked one at the end. 
So you've got Van der Veen, you've got Van der Vaart, you've got Dan Juma. Uh, slightly, we won't reveal how slightly <laughs> cheap. We, we we know Steven Bergvine's one of them. Well, it's because I mentioned him before by yeah. mistake off, off air. <laughs> Here he is, I think probably scoring on his debut against Man City. Uh, it was a great goal on that sort of famous celebration. So Steven Bergwijn, the others. Oh, I've, I've, got, got, I've got one more. I've got one. Go, Go on. on. Vincent Janssen. Vincent, yeah. yeah. Collector's, one. collector's item. Looks this like a, possibly against Everton. Who's actually doing quite well in Belgium now. Yeah, he went to Belgium. He went, went out to Mexico, scored a lot yeah, of goals, yeah. and is now doing well at Belgium. Found Belgium. his level. <laughs> he found, found his level. level. <laughs> Jake, you well, I one? don't know if he scored, but I know he's Dutch. Did David score in the Premier League? Yeah, he, he did. did. Yeah. He absolutely did. And frustratingly, it. that picture is not here. He <laughs> scored, I was actually there. He scored uh, away to Wigan. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, in a 1 0 win, I believe, or 2 1 win. So is there just one we haven't got? There is one left on Can my you screen. Have a little clue. It's very random. Ugh. What I was kind of I, era? Well, I was at uni, so it was around about 99, 2000. Oh, wow. It was the back end of the season. Oh, he scored against Villem Man Corsten. United. Oh. Willem Corsten. Here he is, scoring against Man United at the back end of the season at White Hart Lane. Yes. So we got there. Good goal. You did get there. We, yeah. You doubted, well your, you doubted yourselves. And well done, us. <laughs> well done, us. <laughs> well done, you. Uh, well done, so Mickey. They, well done, Mickey. Well done, everybody. Well done, Madison, for the, for the assist. Yeah. Because that was shades of uh, what he did in the North London derby to... Saka just on the other side. I can't. I don't know who the Luton defender was. Turned him inside out on the on the goal line. Pulls it back. Yeah. You, you know what I liked about it is that he knew what he'd done was so good <laughs> that when Van der Ven scored and ran towards him, Madison was expecting him to be like, "Yeah, come to me." And he didn't. He went to the fans. So Madison went and celebrated on his own because he wanted he wanted people to be like, adulation. rightly, yeah, because yeah. he what he made that entire he did everything basically. It was Van der Ven's finish yeah. was good, but it wasn't. He didn't really do much, did he? And it was it was a Madison one of those goals that you kind of expect the goal scorer to run over to the the assister like pointing at him. I had one of those moments that I've had before where I say something really stupid, which happens a lot if you listen to like, the oh, why, haven't, why haven't they put it in the mixer? Well, no. I, <laughs> so I'm going to go back a few years when I once said that I think Les Ferdinand went down the wing away to Sheffield Wednesday. And he tried to cross the ball with his left foot and he hit his right foot and it went out for a goal kick. <laughs> and I said... Les Ferdinand's finished at this club. And about a minute and a half later, he scored an absolutely wonderful header and then went on a bit of a run of scoring goals. Carl Walker against Arsenal. Yeah. I said, don't shoot. Don't shoot. And he shot. And on Saturday, watching the game at work, I said, you know something? Madison is starting to annoy me here. He annoyed, <laughs> he annoyed me against Sheffield United. I feel like he needs to grab games a bit more. Obviously, such a stupid thing. I was just looking for an excuse as to why it's nil against Luton. We got the corner and I just thought he really... They showed him obviously taking... I think he walked over, Son, the ball went out and Madison maybe went and got the ball or something. I went, he needs to grab this game. He's not doing anything. And then 20 seconds later, he drifts past the Luton player and with a wonderful assist. Where are you on Madison and how he sort of well, come in and grab that number you are, Johnny. No, 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 no. I think, enough I think he's a wonderful footballer and I'm so glad we've got him. And he's come in and taken that number 10 shirt. We talked about it last week and done brilliantly. So I take back what I said. It was just an <laughs> off-the-cuff frustrating right. moment. But I assume we're all on... The James Madison train. Love him. I mm. just think he's uh, he's one of those players that when when Leicester went down, I said that he is the player that we should we need to go go for. Um, just because he 
he makes teams play so much better. I think if he was ever missing, we can see already that if he's going to be missing, we'll, this, we'll see the drop off, a massive drop off. And Leicester had that for years. Um, I just think he's perfect as well um, for for what the, the, for the style of football we're trying yeah. to play. Yeah. Um, and it's also also surprised me that whenever whenever Tottenham buy a player, there's always a part of me that wonders, like someone who's really good, someone like. I don't know, Richarlison, you spend that much money on him. I'm always kind of like, there's a reason that City or Real Madrid or like a bigger team haven't gone for them. Madison, I can't see any reason why he shouldn't be at like one of the really top clubs. You, you hear rumours that his wife, they were pregnant. She wanted to be in London. Don't know if that's true, but you're right. You're not, that's a, but even I, so, Chelsea were buying every attacking every, midfielder yeah. in the, on the planet. Like yeah. they, they, he would have, he would have made that made them better. I think Man United have a bit of a Madison-shaped hole in their midfield. I know they got Bruno, but slightly different. He's playing him out wide. Don't know why. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Man United. Um, the but funny a big, thing a big I always win. think about Madison though mm. is all of the ex-player pundits always, even at Leicester as well always used to and still do sing his praises and say how much of a talent he is. And as someone who has never played professional football, I know that they are seeing, I mean, we can all see he's good, but they're seeing things that we aren't seeing. And so you, I just always think when, when he's mentioned in the like, uh, in sort of the same breath as the likes of Glenn Hoddle in Tottenham terms, this kind of thing, that's when I'm thinking... Well, these guys, I know people, they divide opinion, a lot of pundits, but they do know what they're talking about when they when they can spot talent because they've been around so much talent their whole playing careers. Yeah. And when they say that a player has got something, I think you have to you have to listen. I think the, the one thing he's doing is he just keeps surprising you. Surprised you on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, he um, did something, but, no joke. But he just keeps doing <laughs> mm. things that you just don't expect him to do. I don't think Tottenham fans really realised how good he is at dribbling. Mm. Um, and he's just he is just like beating players in really, really important places. And then he's got the delivery to find a... You're right. He, a, against United, he went past three or four United players, mm. possibly leading to a goal or certainly a chance. And I remember thinking he's a cross between Modric and Eriksen. He's like in that in between because Modric had brilliant dribbling skills. Eriksen for me didn't, uh, and Eriksen had brilliant delivery. But Modric who does, but I think Eriksen's was better. He's sort of in that mold which we really needed, and we have found it. The only thing is, I what he is, as you said, he's perfect for this. Not only the style, but the system to play off a striker. Now, aside from the fact that we didn't play the very good football for the last couple of years, the system was a four. It was either a, under Conte, it was either a four in midfield and three up top, or Mourinho was a four-three-three. I don't know where how you get the best out of Madison playing from the left. You you definitely get the best out of him playing as a number ten. So it's the system as well as 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 the style. So it all fits. Yeah, lovely. absolutely. Something else that's fitting very well at the moment: the two centre halves. I know that Luton got in a little bit behind a couple of times and Corley Woodrow missed a really good chance, but it was one of the rare opportunities where neither of our centre-halves or our full-backs have actually come in and taken the ball away. We talked about this a lot. We're signing players, defenders, obviously, to fit a system, and the system is, we're going to stand on the halfway line when we've got the ball. You can go in behind us, but we're going to catch you. And it's it, the defence has been brilliant. Another clean sheet. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought? Well, is that two or three now so far? Off the top of my head, I've thrown you both under the bus. Yeah, uh, it's at least two because we did United, um, and I just I, I never I never fancied us to be this solid defensively 
Well, we've got some stats on that. After well, there you go. Uh, after so so soon, early on in the season. I mean, uh, three we, clean sheets, Bournemouth and Man Bournemouth United. as well. We were always we were always told at the beginning when Ange came, and he said it in, in that interview that he did that he was always brought up on we'll score more than you. So you kind of think, well, they're going to concede a few, but yeah. Well, Saturday was the first time we didn't score a minimum of two goals in a game. There you go, exactly, and we, and we won it. So yeah. those clean sheets become absolutely paramount. Right, Ali, we've got you on A, because we like you, <laughs> B, because you support Tottenham, uh, and C, because your love of stats and mine too, and obviously it provides great context. When we had you on last time, was it before or after Burnley? After, just after. After Burnley. So we'd played one, two, three, four, four league games, and yeah. we were like, well, it's only four league games, provided some great context, but how's it going to go in a month's time? And some of the, you said, perhaps some of the numbers were skewed by the big win at Burnley, so... It's going to be... I'm going to press this button here. Better now, back to the north. And again, using our, our screens, we've got this brilliant uh, graphic that, uh, that Ali has put together as part of his work with Opta Analysts, who do great work. Obviously, the official numbers for the Premier League. Ali, talk us through what we've got here and also the wonderful return of Field Tilt. <laughs> so uh, this is just a graphic that uh, I just had to update the numbers on uh, from last time. Uh, and it just compares Conte's uh, final season, the, the entire of last season to this season. So obviously that's 38 games versus now eight. Uh, and it was f only four when I last came on. And so the difference in numbers were all, as you say, um, maybe could have been skewed by one or maybe two big performances. But as you play more and more games, those uh, that skew just disappeared lessons at but least. also big games are played Arsenal and Liverpool yes time. exactly um, uh, and just to give you a rundown if you're not able to look at the screens uh, we have uh, possession which is up massively regains in the final third up massively um, that's per 90 these are all per 90 stats um, touches in the opposition box almost doubled shots up massively goals up massively expected goals up pretty quite a lot um, and field tilt up Crazily, field tilt is a uh, measure of how much possession you have in the final third compared to your opponents. So if you imagine passes in the final thir third as tilting the pitch, um, if you have uh, lots of uh, possession in the final third uh, compared to your opposition, the field will be tilted towards their goal. Um, that is also up massively. So that's um, gone up from 43.1% so to 64.8%. Yeah, and the interesting thing uh, is how little I had to change these numbers. Um, there was, so the, the biggest change actually was goals, which dropped from 2.75 per game after four games, but still to 2.25 uh, now. So it's still uh, still high, it's still much higher than last season and still high. Um, but I thought the most interesting thing was even though goals dropped expected goals went up wow. um, oh. so the 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 kind of expectation is generally that if you're scoring goals above your expected goals numbers you are overperforming mm. in some way and Tottenham have done that for years largely because of Harry Kane's exceptional finishing so the concern could have been someone could have said well if you're scoring goals at a rate of 2.75 per game but your expected goals are way below that that's going to even out at some point and you're not going to carry on scoring at that rate Tottenham have stopped scoring at such a high rate but their expected goals is going up has gone up slightly which suggests that they are kind of 
maybe going to meet in the middle somewhere, um, which was, yeah, really, really positive to see. I like, obviously, I love these numbers. And as you said, they've all gone up. I love these numbers. And I don't think, it's not like you're selecting ones just to go up. These are the metrics we had uh, last time out. And this just shows how well we're doing. Personally, I like touches in the opposition box going up from 23.6 to 42.6 per uh, per 90 minutes. And regains in the final third up from 4.4 to 7.3. Because that just shows, I mean, this all does. But that, for me, shows the massive attacking intent that we have. Absolutely. And also the way that we're pressing so much better from the front. Actually, uh, if you, I don't know if you saw the Man City-Arsenal game the other day. City were really off it, pre- they're pressing from the front. They didn't. They weren't doing it Nothing. in the right way. Mm. You've got different players running in different directions. We're just, just a, a machine at that at the moment. And there are also some other very good numbers. Lots of P- Premier League ranks first and second on this next graphic on our screen. Ali, do you want to go through those? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I suppose I just tried to pick a kind of variety of stats uh, to show kind of uh, the 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 breadth of uh, what this Tottenham team are able uh, able to do, capable of doing. Um, so we have Spurs top of the Premier League for shots, touches in the opposition box, successful far- passes in the final third, and. PPDA, which is passes per defensive action. So um, that is, when I say they're first, I suppose you wouldn't necessarily say that that is the best because what what that stat says is how many passes you allow the opposition to have for every attempt you make to either pressure the ball or win the ball. Tottenham's is the fewest. So uh, a team might have a really low a really high uh, value for that but that's because they sit back someone like West Ham playing really well but don't allow the opposition to have the ball but then don't pressure the ball or go to win it very often but still are effective I suppose the reason I call that first here is because that is very much how Tottenham are trying to play and they're doing it successfully Um, so I suppose it comes along with some other numbers uh, such as uh, shot ending high turnovers and goal ending high turnovers which Tottenham are second for is that, how high is that is that broken down into thirds of the pitch in the final third final yeah, third. yeah, yeah. Or it's, the, it, it's 40 within 40 metres of the opposition goal so it's just over the final just over the final third do you know who's um, first in that uh, sorry to put you on the spot no I don't so okay. just edit that little bit out please <laughs> uh, I'll add something in later um, well here's talk Tottenham Johnny sorry uh, Spurs also second for progressive carries, which um, this is a stat which uh, this is uh, carrying the ball at least five metres towards the opposition's goal. So the players that normally top this are centre backs, right. um, which I think is interesting because it shows uh, a dominance of possession uh, because you've got um, you, we all see how Mickey van der Ven has been bought largely partly for his defensive abilities but largely because of how he does bring the ball out of defense looking like the Tongan um, when he does it yeah exactly yeah. um and Tottenham ranks second for progressive carries but um Kulusevski's also really high for that and I've been really uh I've I've been a, I suppose it's quite easy to be a little bit down on Kulusevski just because last season um I mean before this season because last season compared to how he was in that first six months was like chalk and cheese. Mm. He was really, he was nowhere near as good. But it's been really interesting how much Postacoglu's loved him. and He barely just, comes he off. He barely comes off, exactly. And he was the last one on 
uh, with 10 men on Saturday and I and I thought of him and these progressive carries because the amount of times he got the ball completely on his own and took the ball 30, 40, 50 metres up the pitch and then would turn back and play it back and that buys you so much time. It's so important yeah. in, uh, to give the defence a bit of a rest. Um, so yeah, that they're also second for that. Second for tackles, uh, just despite dominating the ball, trying to win it back a lot. Um, and then also the last one is uh, that we are third for non-penalty expected goals. Um, so while we are also scoring lots of goals, there is uh, stats to say that we are creating enough chances to... So this is kind of sustainable. Uh, we haven't had a penalty all season. Yeah. Thank so. God, because I don't know who to take it. <laughs> but as you said to me, Jake, last week, we're good. You're just taking the words right out. No, I'm going to go one better than that. Looking at that, that's we're the best. Well, we didn't know who some of the first were. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> um, again, reminder: these look great on our YouTube channel, and it's a good time to tell everyone to subscribe. Really? Why not? Why not? Give doesn't... us a subscription, <laughs> and you get to see these wonderful images. It's free; doesn't cost you anything. Right? You won't get spammed. <laughs> uh, so we do, but and this is a Tottenham podcast, and so it has to be a but. Is it fair to say, possibly, I'm going to bring the graphic up in a second, we've ridden our luck a little bit. Obviously, Luton had, they missed an open goal. If you did have a sitter metric, that would have been in it. Who brought, yeah. the, who brought the Arsenal fan in the room? <laughs> <laughs> don't, 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 don't ever call me that. There has to be a little bit, I think, of looking at the other side of things, Ali. Talk us through where maybe it's not going so well. I, this is not uh, me trying to put a downer on things no. in, in any way. I just thought the for, balance, don't lie. <laughs> for balance, it was mm. necessary to kind of say, well, Spurs are top and are top for loads of metrics, but it hasn't been perfect. Yeah. Um, so I just thought I'd bring some kind of, I mean, one positive is this list is significantly shorter than the other one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, so yeah. uh, I'll just run through some of these numbers. Uh, so, uh, Spurs rank bang in the middle of the table for uh, shots conceded, shots on target conceded, uh, goalkeeper saves comes along with that, um, and XG conceded. Um, I think it's fair to say uh, Spurs wouldn't be where they are with Hugo Lloris playing like he was last season. I think Vicario has been a really, really massive signing. Um, they just, yeah, just have, if you think about maybe the first... Uh, 30 minutes against United they missed quite a few good chances uh, that Bruno Fernandes mm, header yeah, comes yeah. comes to mind um, the, was it Adebayo for Luton on yeah, Sunday yeah, yeah. Uh, Saturday um, there just there just have been some sort of moments of uh, I don't know just um, good fortune yeah yes well I mean maybe you make your own luck you I do, don't know 100% um, you do. uh, but yeah just um they have conceded uh, quite a few. So one thing I should say is I've put rank here as being, so for example, for shots conceded, Spurs rank eighth. So I'm saying that is the eighth best. So it's in the top half of the table, uh, but uh, it's way more than the likes, so specifically for shots on target conceded, it's way more than the likes of Arsenal and City. It's like really, really high, but Vicario has been uh, really, really good. Uh, then... Um, also, uh, Spurs rank eighth for shot conversion rate and sixteenth 
four big chances missed. Um, so only so, four teams have missed more big chances. Yes, there? yes. I think one one thing to say about that is it's a is actually them. a good thing to mm. have that many big chances to miss. And often you get. Um, I'm pretty sure there will have been seasons where Harry Kane would have been top for goals scored and big chances missed. I think we um, know who's top of big chances missed. Yes, don't we? exactly. Um, <laughs> I suppose the, the the downside to it now is Tottenham don't have Harry Kane yeah. trying, missing those chances, yeah. and there isn't that much evidence to suggest that Richarlison will eventually score them. But uh, it's a good thing uh, to create them. But yeah, shot conversion rate, eighth best in the league. Um, I suppose that's kind of linked to the fact that uh, other than Son, the front three haven't been scoring that many goals. It's, the goals have been shared around the team quite which is a lot. A, which is a positive and, in yeah, itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so these aren't inherently negative things, but I suppose there's just areas for improvement that Postacoglu might be thinking about. And also, these are a lot of them are based on more defensive st- uh, stats aren't they and as as I said earlier you know at the very at Angie's core is we're going to score more than you so I it sort of always felt like he was going to address the attacking side of things and it turns out he's managed to do both but it, I'm not that surprised that basically our attacking numbers are really good and perhaps our defensive ones aren't quite as good yet yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely um I don't think anyone should be getting too down about these numbers <laughs> <laughs> okay so again Watch us on YouTube because this is where you get the benefit of seeing these wonderful stats uh, tables that Ali has put together for us. Very lucky to have him on our side here. Uh, it's great to see. And, and it's great to provide more context because like we said, we looked at it after week four and it was great, but we were a bit, you know, let's see how it pans out. And it's panned out very well so far. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's pleasing to be able to, to sort of find it so easy to find positive numbers about Spurs and even when looking for the kind of like balance of those negative ones there's always that caveat I mean uh, ranking eighth for shot conversion rate you could have the worst shot conversion rate in the league if you're creating twice as many chances as as everyone else so yeah Um, yeah definitely still positive do you see it continuing yes yeah although uh, we haven't played anyone yet (laughs) oh uh, that's the other thing isn't it someone posted a picture of the league table and pointed out we'd played all the teams in the bottom four so what? Which we have. Yeah. We've also I'm played, so sorry we beat them. But we've also played Arsenal and Liverpool and United. Which are always points graveyards for us. And we've taken seven points from those games. Also, uh, the bottom four might be bad now, but they might improve. Like, uh, there's, I don't know, it's not uh, just because they're there now. They might be there beco- in part because they lost to Tottenham. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do you know, again, I'm throwing you under the bus here again. Well, Jake did it last time. You <laughs> said last time we had the easiest start. I think Everton have now had oh, the yeah. easiest start. Where else? I mean, for me, it doesn't really matter. But are we thinking we still statistically had one of the easiest starts? Yeah, um, but it was Gary was uh, not buying into this last hmm. time. And fair enough, it's, it's not a scientific yeah. uh, measure. It just was kind of like, generally speaking, based on past performances ranking that taking the average of every team's first 10 games Spurs were among the did have one among the easiest starts ah, who cares but was the person that put up that table you saw and up probably an Arsenal without player. doubt without doubt they're also saying that we are joint top of the Premier League no we're not because if the, t- if the season ended now uh, we would win the league do you know what I'm thinking I'm thinking, thinking that Arsenal after all those years had one good season last season 
which by the way they blew mm. they were in the mix for most of it and suddenly their fans <laughs> are now judge and jury over what constitutes <laughs> football or luck they've always been like that Jake quite frankly I think, I, think they're, I think they're a bit scared of us at the moment oh they're very rattled but I don't think any I think Spurs fans are happy and re- delighted with what's happening we're going along for the ride I don't know many Spurs fans that are sitting there going, well, we're going to win the league. We're definitely in the top oh, right? no. The people that are talking about us, it's the media and Arsenal fans and opposing fans, mainly so they can shoot us down when it falls apart. Not one Spurs fan really saying, well, this is great. Yeah, this is, I know it's October, but it's ours. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're all realistic about this, particularly the depth of the squad. Um, I don't think it like matters that Spurs have beaten the the worst teams like that, that's not that's neither really here nor there um but uh yeah i think realistically we all know there's such a long way to go yeah. uh but it does it does feel like there's something positive happening like the the way uh they celebrated that goal against luton and how much they wanted to win that game kind of did remind me a bit of the way arsenal were last season where there was just that relentlessness mm. about them um and i mean we saw it against Liverpool and Sheffield United, like they, they, there is a winning mentality there. Mm, I think that brings us nicely on to Ange because he's created this feel-good factor around the club. We talked about it last week. If you're happy in, in your job, then everything, the production goes up and that's what's happening on the pitch. And you have to give credit to Arteta. He came in and he's got rid of all that dead wood and he's created a good vibe around the club and it certainly helped them. Didn't help them enough not to bottle the league title, but it helped them. So... We all agree that we're loving Ange. So let's talk to a man that knows a lot about Ange, and we've had him on before. Let's do that now. Delighted to be joined once again by Australian broadcaster Dan Garb. Dan, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Johnny. Good to see you, mate. And you. Uh, So when we had you uh, on last time, it was just after Ange had been appointed, and I mentioned Mm. that you said to me in 2021 that Ange would one day uh, manage Tottenham, and you were right, and you said to us it won't take long for us to fall in love with Ange, and I think you were right there. But you did say say that it might take a couple of months for Ange board to take effect. Are you surprised that actually it's happened really, really quickly? Hugely surprised. I think everyone in Australia is. Everyone that's tracked and really closely over the years and, and monitored every club that he's been at. There's always been a, a two-month teething issue, if you like, at his clubs. And I think that's because, as you guys have seen now as Spurs fans, it is such a specific plan and he is so demanding and he is it is so intricate, the game style, that he's asking his players to undertake that it usually takes two months or so for them to have the courage to go and play it without error. And so, yeah, when he was at the Socceroos, when he was at Brisbane Raw prior to that, in Japan, Celtic, I think, only won two or three of their first seven games. That's Celtic in Scotland Mm -hmm. in his first couple of months. So, yeah, I think everyone thought it would take a bit of time at Spurs. I'm not quite sure why it hasn't. A couple of theories I've got. A, perhaps the players that he's got at his disposal are the best he's ever had. And maybe they are able to take to it a bit quicker as a result. B, perhaps they were just so shackled at Spurs for such a long period of time under Conte and Jose and and the last few days of Poch that they're just reveling in this so much. They're so happy to be asked to play this way. The fans are so delighted watching this style of football that the energy is just carrying them through better than it other clubs that Ange has managed previously in those early stages. So 
Those sides are really good as a result. Yeah, I think there'll be a dip at some stage just because of the competitiveness at the top and perhaps the squad isn't quite at the level to get through the, the tricky parts of the Premier League, which I know you're aware of. But there's no doubt about the fact that the first two months have been way above expectation. We thought it would start coming to fruition now, not top of the table now after seven or eight games, whatever it is. It, it's quite incredible. Dan, I'll hold my hands up and say I hadn't watched any really football of Ange's teams before he came mm. to Tottenham. I've now obviously watched all of the games that, that he's managed under Tottenham. Is what we've seen so far, is that what you would call classic Ange from what, what Tottenham have been so far? Or is there anything else perhaps we might end up seeing as we go further down the line? No, this is this is Ange ball. This is the style. I think it can get better, no doubt. I think when he reinforces in a few areas of the park um, and gets perhaps a, a real top quality striker to nothing against Richarlison, but a real top level to finish off you know, the passages of play that we'll see, you know, it go to another level. But the style, yeah, that, that's it basically. And the playing out from the back, I mean, they're having fun doing it. He encourage them to, encourages them to do it at all times. Um, you know, he often says, if you make a mistake, I'll wear that. You keep playing this way. Um, you don't be scared of making a mistake. If you get it wrong, that's on me. But don't ever hold back on, on this style of play because that's what I'm asking you to do. So, no, that, that's basically it. But I think there are levels to go to. And, and that's the exciting aspect of it with Ange is that, you know, let's see what happens when he gets a higher level of, of player to, to work with. And he's already got some quality ones, of course, but some extra depth there. I mean... At Celtic, he got to a level because we know what Celtic do in Scotland, of course. But give him players of the absolute top quality to carry out that style because it's been proven the players like playing that way. Mm. It could be very exciting for Spurs in, in years to come. There's a lot to look forward to when you consider all of that. Hi, Dan. Um, I was just wondering uh, if you've seen, if has there been like a noticeable increase in Tottenham supporting out there or, or not? And I suppose are people going to, carry on supporting Tottenham are there still sort of Liverpool and Leeds fans because of Harry Hewell and Mark Viduka back in the day or is is everyone just going to be there for and while he's at Spurs yeah well Australia is a pretty mature and well-established Premier League market like it's not just as if people were sitting around without a team or and just gone to Spurs all right that's my team now mm -hmm. like the, the overwhelming majority of people who follow the Premier League in Australia have a team and don't just have a team they are loyal fans who wake up in the middle of the night and spend thousands of dollars to get to England and follow their team. So they're not going to just switch to Tottenham. That's, we all know that's not how it works. I would say Tottenham is everyone's second team right now, apart from perhaps Arsenal fans, of which there are plenty in Australia. Outside of them, I think everyone is is hoping Ange does well. Um, there's certainly some who, who would, wouldn't have a team just yet, who are maybe taken to the Premier League off the back of this and and Tottenham will be their team. I think where you will see the impact of Ange on Tottenham fans in Australia is in 10 to 15 years. On the kids who are around 10 years of age, give or take, who are now stepping into, you know, we all remember being that age and now we start watching football and we find our team and we start following them who didn't have a team or their dad supports another team, but they've said, no, 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 Spurs is my team. You know, we live in Australia. You don't get taken to games every week. So you've got a bit more freedom, I guess, to choose another team, if you like. I think in 10 to 15 years, you'll see a number of kids who will get onto Spurs off the back of Ange when they get to 
20 years of age or so, they'll be loyal Tottenham fans because we saw that with Leeds. They picked up an enormous amount of supporters in Australia at the back of the Kiel-Baduka era. And while Leeds have struggled and some of them have dropped off, Leeds is a pretty well-supported club in Australia considering how much they've struggled in the last decade or so overall. So I think you'll see the impact of it in the next 10 years or so. But Spurs was already a very well-supported club in Australia. You know, it's probably Liverpool, United, Arsenal. Tottenham would be fourth. So it's, it's they already had a very strong base. That will grow, I think, a lot in the next 10 to 15 years or so off the back of this. I'm sure, Dan, that Australians knew who Ange was. Of course they did. But were they so aware of Ange Ball itself, the way that Spurs are playing? Is, is that going to change maybe the way soccer's played in Australia? Football fans are always aware, no doubt. But the impact's going way beyond that now. I mean, it's arguable that he is just about the number one sporting personality in Australia. Like, it, it's it's pretty close. He's right up there. I can't think of anyone who challenges him enormously in that sense. You think of the impact he's making on the world stage. It's right up there. I mean, you know, we had Ash Barty, the number one women's tennis player in the world, but she's retired now. And Nick Kyrgios has dropped off a bit. Um, you know, we had Cam Smith, the golfer, but he's gone to live. So he's you know, obviously not competing <laughs> as much anymore. Yeah, yeah. Sam Kerr is obviously right up there as well. Obviously, we have massive names in Australia that play Aussie rules and rugby league and and that. And we had Daniel Ricciardo. Um, he's now dropped off. Um, so, yeah, there's an argument that Ange is the biggest sporting personality in Australia at the moment. Certainly, the impact he's making on the world stage is right up there. There's probably a few NBA basketballers that we have that would potentially rival him. So what's that? what that's doing is transcending into... Um, every part of Australian sport, not just the football fans. And he is just a hugely recognisable name in the country now. There have been features on every single network about him. In regards to your question on the style of football, yeah. I mean, I think people are realising now that that is such an impactful way to play. And if our greatest ever Australian coach, which he is already, is imploring a Premier League side to do that and getting them to buy in, well then, yes, everyone else will adopt that method as well. But yeah, whether they're as successful or not, well, it's obviously a far more difficult challenge. And you mentioned getting up. You know, you, you guys have to get up early in the morning often to, to watch games. I can't let this moment pass without talking about your team, Liverpool, uh, and, and your thoughts on the game. Not only your thoughts on the game uh, a couple of weeks ago at the Tottenham Stadium, but also Liverpool starting. Are we both in a title race now? Yeah, well, we'll wait and see if Spurs can maintain it. I think everyone, you guys would obviously be more aware of this than me, but I think we feel that there could be a dip coming for Spurs only because of the squad depth, really, and the fact that you haven't been in this position before and it becomes a grind and it's a marathon. We all know that. Look, if Spurs are in this position come Christmas, well, then the narrative probably changes a bit, doesn't it? We say, all right, now they are in it. Um, How long can they last for? Maybe sign a couple of players. And potentially you do. Liverpool, yes, I think we're looking really strong, which is why I wasn't as frustrated with the decision, which was obviously a disgrace um, at Tottenham <laughs> and some others, because I thought we still came out of that game with a lot of positives. I mean, yeah. Spurs needed a, a pretty fortunate own goal to win it um, late on when Liverpool had nine men. Um, you know, we defended really well. I think we're looking really strong in midfield. Zabozlai is just a remarkable signing. I look at him and Madison and think, probably the two best signings so far this season in the Premier League. Similar players who have both been brilliant. So he's made a huge impact. And yeah, that I mean, obviously that moment was ridiculous. We all know about the drama. Um, I can understand Klopp's frustration. He took it too far. I think there was a method to it. 
I, I think he had a plan as to why he wanted to say that. He knew there was never going to be a no, replay. No. Like, he's not an idiot. Yeah. But he obviously wanted to say it to make the most of Liverpool's injustice. I mean, we all managers always play those games. We know that. So I think there was definitely a reason for it. But of course, on the surface, he took it too far. But uh, yeah, all in all, I think Liverpool did pretty well considering. We know that. Um, but Tottenham found a way, as Ange teams often do. I mean, that's the other part of his style, which I think you'll come to to realise, is that it doesn't matter if it's the 95th minute or the first minute. He will tell his team to play that yeah. way yeah. the whole way through. And you've had a couple of big late wins late on in games where you've played that same style. And we've all seen it with our teams before. You know, it gets tense, it gets pressurising. And what do you do? You start lumping it into the box, hoping for a miracle. No, no, Ange wants you to keep playing that same way. And he did it in an A-League grand final, famously, coaching the Brisbane Raw against the Central Coast Mariners away in a grand final. They were down 2-0 in extra time. And they kept playing that same way, scored two late goals, got to the penalties and won the shootout. And it was a great story because these players just said, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what time of the game it is, what the situation is, why would we change from the, the style of play that has made us so successful when we need a goal the most? That's his theory. Yeah. And it makes sense, really. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's already been shown on a couple of occasions for Spurs late on with those winners. And you've done it playing that same style. So, yeah, I'm sure you'll grow very fond of that in time. A long may it continue. And, Dan, thanks again for joining us. I'll let you go because I know it's, it's uh, late over there. But great to hear your thoughts and, uh, you know, what's going on over in Australia. And, and we'd love to hear more about Andrew. And we'll definitely have you, have you on again soon. No, happy to. Well done. Great start, boys. And, um yeah, enjoy it. Thank keep you, the uh, keep the kangaroos and the uh, the Australian songs going in the uh, the Spurs away end, please. We love it. Will do, mate. Lovely, uh, great to see you. Cheers, Dan. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks, mate. So great to talk to Dan uh, again. We're all loving Ange, as we said, and the vibe over there is still very, very positive. So let's move on now to what's going forward. International break. Always a scary time for a Tottenham fan. Everyone came back okay last time fingers crossed that happens again because the squad as we've said so many times is a little bit thin I know we had players coming back on the bench this week but in certain areas it's still thin and that would be a big problem for us yeah uh, is it a worrying time just because players get injured on international I think that is a that is a worry I think that's a legitimate worry I think we also have a bit of but is it it just isn't that just doesn't everyone have that of course it is and Arsenal (laughs) have lost Saka and why are we talk- Why am I talking about Arsenal? <laughs> um, but it's Romero in my head, like Romero uh, and Van okay. der Veen yeah, for me. Yeah, I yeah. don't. He's had that problem with international breaks before. I just think I just think he didn't like Conte personally and didn't wasn't really bothered after winning the World Cup. What happened towards the end of that season? But we've talked about the drop off so many times. I just feel right now we can't afford to lose. I'd say the big four, Romero, Van der Veen, Madison and Son. Well, the goal of Vicario either. Uh, let, let's be honest, when you have a start like we've had, it would be pretty crushing, wouldn't it, for a player, one of those four or five, to go away on international duty and come back injured and then to be a gaping hole either because where Madison was or one of the centre-backs, that would be, that would be pretty gutting. Mm, I mean, I, and I think it's a legitimate fear, but ultimately... You know, I, I think what you're saying is it's kind of the same. It's the same for every team, really, in a way. Are you it? telling me you've not lay awake at night like me? Going, <laughs> no, but hang on, going, oh, it's October. We're not far from January. And that's when the Asia Cup and the, and the Africa Cup, Cup of yeah. Nations, it's like, that'll be Spursy. We're not the only team to lose players, but it's so key for this squad. 
that. We've lost players, Solomon and Perisic, and I think that has affected us a little bit. I think certainly against Liverpool, I think we missed Perisic coming on, mainly because he could have just crossed it to Richarlison, who might have had to head it in. Um, but look, it's an international break. It's great to go to an international break on the back of a win. So let's just have a quick overview of the, the first eight Premier League games. We didn't see this happening, did we? No, <laughs> no, no one did. Uh, no. And as as Dan said, um, Postacoglu normally starts slowly and it's just been crazy how quickly the players have taken to it mm. um, and just how effective it's been. Um, yeah, didn't, didn't see it at all. And I suppose I think of the international breakers like... It's 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 the the worst thing about it is that you don't you we're now at a point where you look forward to Tottenham games yeah, yeah. and you've got a two week break yeah. and you've got to like find out that England have played Macedonia or something <laughs> like that and you're like um, as, I mean personally I just that that's the kind of thing that happens to me um, but uh, uh, um, but I suppose we should just enjoy this is a an extended break of uh, Tottenham keeping keeping top spot. Um, so when you do your days top of the league, we're getting some free 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 days now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this this little break actually will take Tottenham past one thousand days top of the top flight. Top uh, flight. Which, I feel like we've only been top of the Premier League for about seventy five days. Yeah, it's not many. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, there's a, I think something like seven clubs that have been top for that long, which is frankly completely meaningless because most of it was in the 60s but just thought i'd mention <laughs> the it we'll take, again we'll yeah. <laughs> hey don't talk about the double team like that we'll uh we'll, we'll take it jake i mean you're always very positive but i'm sure you're absolutely loving loving this now no nah, I'm, I'm not <laughs> I, no come on i will i'm always positive the one thing i did say and i will i will uh pat myself on the back is it, it wasn't that big a claim it i felt things would be good at some point because I just thought a new manager coming in generally, if he's if he's if he's worth anything, you're going to get a bounce at the very least off that, and we've seen it with other teams in other sports and in football. So I never felt I think it was a lot of negativity over the summer, and I thought it could only go one way. Mm. Um, of course, I didn't think that we would be top, joint top, whatever you want to call it, after eight games. Even Dan, I mean Dan Garb, who we had on, I listened back to what he said um, when we had him on last time. I was like open mouth. Everything that he said has happened apart from he said it would take as you said a bit longer but my goodness just shows the caliber of guests we're getting on here only the best only the, only best. the best for echo of glory you should go back and listen to it not you you <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, to dare, to dare is to, is, you go, go for it to dare is to didgeridoo is what it was called yeah absolutely fantastic one of our early episodes when when poster cogler got appointed in the summer okay jake plans for the international break another holiday in spain yeah feet up International football, yeah, all day, every day, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the rest of it. <laughs> okay, just bit of cricket World Cup. Uh, absolutely, cricket yeah. World Cup. Um, you know, sit, bit of golf. Very nice. Um, yeah, I'm not. No, none of that. I'm working. Oh. <laughs> I was about to say that you're fitting a hell of a lot in. No, <laughs> no, absolutely not. I'm working, uh, okay. working, working my so- my socks off. Okay. Ali, what does an optostatistician get up to during the international break? Uh, it's quite a nice time. Uh, that's a holiday. In that you <laughs> can... But the, the thing with working with data is that things go out of date so quickly, mm. um, especially with games, midweek games. Um, so mm. the good thing about an international break is you can write something that will sort of have a bit of longer shelf life and you can take a bit more time over. Um, I'm actually going to write something about Spurs, so... 
get on OptoAnalyst, theanalyst.com, and uh, check that out. We absolutely will. Uh, subscribe to their all their social media channels. Do that. Subscribe to ours. But whichever order, not fast. <laughs> uh, just do both. Gentlemen, thanks for coming on. I hope you all rest well and don't get injured on the uh, international duty. <laughs> uh, and we'll see you soon. And up the Spurs.